This is Charisma Connection. I'm Chris Johnson. Today we start a new seven-part series on the significant topic of human trafficking, and we'll be speaking with two guests from the Samaritan Women, a long-term restorative health care program based in Maryland, and they serve trafficking victims across the country. And we have with us Jean Allert. Jean has been in this ministry since 2007. She's also very highly qualified. She's a graduate of the FBI Citizens Academy. She sits on the National Advisory Council for the Conference on Crimes Against Women. And she has a master's in education, a master's in divinity, and currently is pursuing a doctorate in psychology with a concentration on trauma. So the Samaritan women, she'll be telling us more about this, but uh, it's a five-phase program, has three homes, an on-site schoolhouse, and a vocational program. And then she went on to create the Institute for Shelter Care. And Calvin Fanning is with us today, and he is the director of shelter mentoring for that institute. Uh, Calvin has an interesting background with uh, missions. He's worked with the Assemblies of God World Missions teams among the unreached, and he's also worked in student ministry. He has a Bachelor of Arts in Anthropology and minors in Psychology and Arabic Language. Pretty smart guy. So today we begin our seven-part series on the Samaritan women and human trafficking. Domestic sex trafficking is being called the human rights crisis of our times. This insatiable and unrestrained trade takes a child of God and turns that person into a product, destroying them physically, mentally, spiritually. Can you even imagine the level of abuse and isolation a victim experiences? The Samaritan women can. They have been serving victims of sexual exploitation for over 12 years and are joining us at Charisma to share their experiences and call the faithful to rise up against this evil. We have to address the demand and prevent further victimization. We also have to stand in the gap for those who have already suffered horrific abuse. The Spirit has moved the Samaritan women to raise up qualified shelters across the nation. So when that one child, that one woman, is able to leave, there's a qualified Christian program ready to receive them. Please join us in this important series and prayerfully consider lending your support. To learn more, visit sheltercareusa.org. We're here on the Charisma Podcast Network today, and we welcome Jean Allert and Calvin Fanning as my guests. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. Well, it's great to have you both with us. And as we begin, I, I think we just need a basic definition of what human trafficking or sex trafficking is. Is there a difference between those two? Sure. The federal definition, which you might find interesting to know, is in this year, 2020, we're actually celebrating or commemorating the 20th anniversary of the law called the Trafficking Victims Protection Act. So uh, in 2000, that act was put into effect for the United States. So it's important for us to understand that in, as this is a domestic problem, we've really only been looking at this for about the last 20 years. In that law, the way we articulate human trafficking is we say that this is fundamentally a crime 
That involves the recruiting, harboring, transporting, provisioning, recruiting, advertising, or soliciting. I know, a lot of words. Yes. <laughs> but of persons, of persons age 18 or older for the purposes of some form of, let's say, involuntary servitude. Now, that generally manifests in two major ways, labor trafficking, so that can be the manufacturers of goods and services, and then sex trafficking, which is exploiting persons for uh, sexual gratification. And so those are the primary, although there are probably upwards of 30 different uh, subcategories of trafficking, for example, child brides, child soldiers, um, people who are, are in debt bondage situations. For our purposes, though, for this series, we're going to focus on talking about domestic sex trafficking and how the issue of exploiting people um, for commercial sex within this country really plays out. Mm-hmm. Calvin, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, Chris, we get to explain this definition to a lot of community members and um, the words force, fraud, and coercion come up a lot. So these these people that are being exploited are um, in some way being forced into this situation. And those words are so lofty that I always translate them um, into violence, lies, and threats. So these people are being um, in some way um, either either threatened into a situation whereby their uh, their bodies are being sold or um, they're, they're being told lies. Um, and we'll unpack that a little bit as this series goes, but um, I always like to point out that the, the situation is much more complicated um, and there's always some unpacking to do, and we'll help people do that as we go through the series. So. I'm sure there is. Now, when we think about the U.S., like here we are in Florida, and uh, we just recently had the Super Bowl here, and of course around these big events there is sometimes some human trafficking going on, and there was uh, lots of warnings about that kind of thing around that big event. But what is the scope of the problem here in the U.S.? And, I, and I'm sure it's a very daily thing. Yeah, it's a difficult one to quantify. Uh, what we do know is that cases of human trafficking have happened in every state in the United States, that uh, law enforcement might argue that it's in every community. But not every community is being vigilant on the on the issue. So even though we have it as a federal crime, um, it it doesn't always um, have the same attention uh, at the state or at the local level. And so what we have to understand about numbers is you're going to see what you're looking for. For those jurisdictions, like you take the town of Atlanta or, frankly, Central Florida, um, where they have been raising awareness within the community on the issue of sex trafficking, you are going to see a higher prevalence because your eye is on that issue. What we do know is that it is a significant problem across the United States that the U.S. is um, our greatest, or at least our most numbers for cases are related to sex trafficking within the United States that we are um, complicit in a lot of related issues. So, for example, the U.S. produces uh, 98% of the world's pornography. So that's originating out of the U.S. And individuals who are being forced to manufacture and the creation of the pornography is also a form of sex trafficking. Now, Gene, so that, that is to... really a, a huge number. Did you say 98%? 
89%. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, it's still a very yeah. large number it's for... It's still a huge number. It's a very mm-hmm. shame-filled number. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you consider that part of trafficking as well? It, it absolutely is. Uh, we, we speak with law enforcement all the time, and they say that pornography is just interwoven with the issue of, of sex trafficking and forced prostitution, um, that the two trades go hand in hand, oftentimes women, children who are enslaved in this kind of work also um, will be photographed, will be videotaped, and uh, that creates another, if you will, derivative product uh, out of their exploitation. Mm -hmm. And so they are inextricably linked together, and we as the church sort of need to be wise about this. Yes, I imagine so. Well, and you mentioned the church. Well, obviously, we know that the root of all of this sex trade is sin. What do you think is really fueling this trade? Well, Chris, you mentioned the Super Bowl. Yeah, Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Um, You mentioned the Super Bowl as being a really big draw for sex trafficking. Um, And that's true because it's uh, the crime is primarily driven by economics. um, And it's a it's a consumer driven crime. Um, they say it's the, the second largest criminal enterprise in the, in the world, um, soon to be the first. Uh, and that's because people are looking to consume sex. And that's kind of a, a dark way to put it. But um, where there's a demand, where there are men and women who are willing to buy sex um, from people, there will be sex trafficking. So you mentioned the Super Bowl as being um, kind of a, a big event for that. But after the Super Bowl, those victims and those, those buyers don't go away. Uh, they just disperse back to their homes. And so I'm glad you mentioned the Super Bowl, but unfortunately that's um, that's not the end of it. That's not kind of the, the the primary venue for sex trafficking. So it continues to happen even um, after those major events. But anywhere you see you see men um, who are primarily driving this this trade um, willing to buy, there will be trafficking. And so um, to a large degree, I think that the, the sin of greed and the sin of gratification and the uh, kind of the, the cultural understanding that we have, particularly in the U.S., that um, we can buy anything, and that includes sex from a, a child um, or, um, or anybody, that's, that's kind of the root of it. Um, and it's a, it's a pretty dark root to address, but um, that's what I think that we're, we as the church are, are called to do, is to point out the, the truth of the situation and Um, unfortunately, the truth is that it's driven by greed. Yes, and there's really nothing light about this evil trade except for what we as believers bring into it as we seek to rescue these victims. Absolutely. I think this... uh, we we live in this very, very dark world, but we also live in a constant state of encouragement um, because what we are seeing across the United States is the, the incredible uprising of the church, which is nothing short of, uh, of exciting and, and necessary. Um, we see across the country that it is the faithful who are primarily leading the efforts in um, community awareness who are beginning to look at the connections to other social problems. And for example, where we are with foster care, where we are with um, runaway youth, where we are with abuse in the home and, and childhood sexual abuse and the interconnectedness of that. We're seeing that the church is really in the forefront of 
victim services. And we'll talk a, a fair amount about that over the next several episodes. We have seen that about 85% of the shelters that currently exist in America that are serving this population are being established and run by people of the Christian faith. So we are definitely um, forerunners in this work, but we also want to make very clear to your audience that there is much more work to be done. Um, The field is ripe for harvest and the workers are few. And we hope to inspire people who feel called to step into this kind of darkness and to be ministers of those who need healing, uh, that now is our time. I love the fact that your organization, Jean, the Samaritan Women, is um, based in Maryland, but also serves the the whole of the country. And then not only that, but you are considered a long-term restorative care program. Could you speak to that a little bit? Sure. When we started in 2007, um, frankly, not really knowing what we were doing, um, but following following the lead of the Spirit, we, we went forward. We established this as a long-term care program because very soon we learned that survivors come to us with a lifetime of wounding. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll talk some deep dive on this, but it's important for you to understand that um, The number one characteristic of victims of trafficking are individuals who have suffered childhood sexual abuse. It's in the 96th percentile. Hmm. And so we're talking about individuals who have since very young age, five, eight years old, have known sexual violence, deception, secrecy, abuse. And so when we get to a point in her life where she's being commercially exploited, it is in many tragic ways a reenactment of those early traumas. And so that's why dealing with this population can be very complex, because you're not dealing with um, the Hollywood story of, you know, that girl who's, you know, everything's great and white picket fence one day, and then she gets abducted and terrible things happen. And then she, you know, is rescued and she returns to the soccer team. That's, that's not reality. Mm -hmm. Um, Reality is that we have a very high percentage of kids in the United States who are throwaway kids who are living in households that are very disrupted. Um, You know, 70% of our population came from fatherless homes. And so fathers are critical uh, to the the formation of of a girl's identity and relationship and with herself. You know, we see this over and over again. And part of the reason that we've taken a national view is because as we opened our doors to these young women, we found that our referrals were coming from all over the United States. 22 different states were sending um, survivors to us. And that turned out to be the most advantageous. Because if she has come to us from South Dakota or she has come to us from Portland, Oregon, um, she is so far removed from her victimization, from her circles of influence, uh, frankly, from the temptations that keep her in those cycles of victimization, that we have seen that being able to literally be removed from what we call their cesspool into a place where they can envision a new life has a tremendous healing quality. That's wonderful. Calvin, would you like to add to that? Yeah, so in recent years, we've recognized just the need for that um, that specialized uh, residential program care that these victims need. And 
in doing so, we've we've looked around the country for for shelters that are doing that. Um, you know, we we spouted off numbers of victims in the tens and of and tens and hundreds of thousands, but we've been only able to identify fewer than 200 shelters that are serving this population. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's, very that's serving small. less than 1,500 victims. Way mm-hmm. too small. Mm-hmm. Um, and so our our mission at, at um, Samaritan Women Institute for Shelter Care is that any survivor anywhere in the nation would have access to qualified compassionate care. And right now, that's not the case. Um, there are too many victims who don't have that access. And um, my passion, um, our passion here is that we can we can call the church to fill in those gaps. Um, we truly think that it's it's the call of the church to to make those services available um, and to offer that compassionate, qualified care. Um, yeah. Excellent. Well, we Chris, thank let you. me give you one. Yes, Jean. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, let me give you just one quick illustration of a scenario that plays out tragically time and time again across the United States. Um, we took a, a 16-year-old girl from out of state uh, or out of Maryland. And she came to us because she had been in a drug rehab. And in that drug rehab, she was disclosing that she had had so many relationships that an astute social worker began to put the pieces together and said, wait a second, I think something else is going on here. Mm -hmm. Once she was in our care and she was literally removed from her environment, um, she begins to go through the slow process of realizing that life could be different because what she had always known was she grew up in a household where her parent was a drug abuser and her parent, the, the mother had lots of relationships. And so by the time she was 15, she was being exploited by the mother for additional income into the household. And so her exploiter was actually her parent. Now, this is not that uncommon, unfortunately, but here's where the value of the shelter care comes in is when you are so steeped in that, and that's what you grew up in. You don't even have a concept that you have value and worth beyond your body or beyond what you can bring in in terms of money. And so when she comes here and she spends time with us and we get her around different people, breathing different kinds of light and air into her, um, she goes to school, she gets job skills, she begins to realize. I remember when she came into my office and she was bursting into tears because she had received her very first paycheck. Hmm. And she put that on my desk and she said, you know what this says? And I said, what's that say? She goes, this says I'm worth something. Uh And that's my passion. Hmm. is for every one of these kids to know that they are worth something. Wow. Well, let's leave it there uh, for this episode, because I'm sure you've got many more great stories like that. And it's just so wonderful to see that kind of testimony, really, of what God is doing through your ministry, the Samaritan women. So we thank you, Jean Allert and Calvin Fanning for being with us from the Samaritan Women and talking to us about domestic sex trafficking. We sure appreciate your time and your expertise today. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. I'm Chris Johnson. Thanks for joining us for this visit on Charisma Connection, and be sure to stay tuned for the balance of this series.